Hello, everybody, and welcome to Sake Revolution. This is America's first sake podcast, and I am one of your hosts. My name is John Puma uh, from this place called the Sake Notes, uh, also the admin uh, and founder of the Internet Sake Discord. And I also run the Sake subreddit over on Reddit, so come on down sometime. And I'm your host, Timothy Sullivan. I'm a sake samurai. I'm a sake educator, as well as the founder of the Urban Sake website. And every week, John and I will be here tasting and also chatting about all things sake and doing our best to make it fun and easy to understand. Ah, Tim, how have yeah. you been? Doing good. How about yourself? It's, yeah, events are happening again. Yep. You traveled both near and far for, yes. for events this week. Yes. I went to DC for a sake summit and that was a lot of fun. That was sponsored by the sake brewers association of North America. Uh-huh. We had Weston Konishi on the show. Uh-huh. Uh, he's the friend president. of the show. Yep. Friend of yeah. the pod. And uh, yeah, so there's uh, traveling happening. And as we mentioned last week, we have sake day coming up very soon, October 1st. Yes. Have you bought your tickets yet, people listening at home? <laughs> Please. Have. They're going fast. If you're in New York City, buy your tickets. But you Definitely. know you know where we haven't traveled lately, John Puma? Tim, I know many places I have not traveled lately. <laughs> Which one do you have in mind? <laughs> we have not traveled to the Sake Education Corner in many a moon. Many we a moon. We haven't. You're absolutely right. It's going to be nice to get back in there again. People might think you've graduated from the Saki Education Corner, but I think you've got a few questions left in you, John. I think so, too. No one ever truly graduates <laughs> no. from the Saki no Education one. Corner. Let's be realistic. <laughs> Myself included. Uh, yeah. No one escapes the Saki Education no one, Corner. <laughs> no one escapes the Saki <laughs> Education Corner. Yeah. I am actually kind of excited about this one. This is very, this is practical. This is extremely practical information that everybody who has sake in their home should be aware of, I think. Yes. And every time that I've done an event with the general public and you know, they open up the floor to questions Mm -hmm. and people ask questions from an audience, just regular Mm -hmm. sake consumers, I get this range of questions every single time guaranteed. So I think it's really important we cover it. I'm sure some of our listeners out there have this question. Excellent. And and this is great because now you, you'll have answered it in a public forum and no one should yes. ever ask that question again because they all <laughs> listen to the show. Yes, we can refer them to Sake Revolution episode 122 forevermore. <laughs> <laughs> perfect, perfect. So let's get that question out there for our listeners at home. Yeah, so today we're going to tackle the subject of sake storage. How, Mm. when, where, why, before opening, after opening, you name it, we're going to talk about it. So it's all things sake storage today. Excellent, excellent, excellent. All right. So, um, you know, where do you want to start? I've got a bottle of sake. Where am I putting it? That is a great question to start with. (laughs) I bought a bottle of sake. Yes, yeah, it's, it's very, very straightforward. <laughs> I, I, I walked in the door. I have this bottle. Does it go on my shelf? Does it go in my fridge? Like, what am I doing? Yeah. Well, if you're going to be enjoying that sake in the very near term, the next day or two, mm-hmm. I think it's a really good idea just to keep it in the fridge and keep it cold, keep it dark, keep it out of light, enjoy it fresh and young, and don't wait 
carpe sake, as I always say. <laughs> I love it. T-shirt coming soon. <laughs> carpe sake. T-shirt carpe yes. sake. Definitely, yeah. definitely. Okay, yeah. so what if I'm? What if I don't know when I'm going to open this mm. bottle? Yep, that's another good question. So if you buy a special bottle of sake and you want to mm. store it for a while, or you're saving it for a special occasion, or you're going to wait until the next time you get Japanese takeout or something like that. You know, if you have a wine fridge or someplace cool, if you have room in your refrigerator, that is really the best place to keep it. Again, keep it cold, keep it out of light, and keep it at a steady temperature. Mm-hmm. It may be a good time to talk about like what are the enemies of sake when it comes to storage. What are the things enemies? We ha- the enemies. Oh goodness! What do we have to watch out for? Okay. Well, the first thing is UV light. So same with beer. People know not to store beer on the windowsill, getting direct sunlight. <laughs> right. Uh, we want to protect sake from UV light as much as possible, and the inside of a dark refrigerator is ideal for that. So that's a great place to keep it. Another enemy of sake when it comes to storage is temperature variation. Variation? Yes. So Interesting. When you have it in a place that gets warmer and then cooler, warmer and then cooler, like some people right. put sake in a closet or in the attic or in the cellar or someplace where it's not a steady low temperature. Right. And that variation can be very bad for sake in the long term. So steady temperature is really important. Okay. Yeah. And Makes sense. We should also talk briefly about the styles of sake, and they have different needs when it comes to temperature. Mm. And you probably know, John, what I'm thinking of when it comes <laughs> to what absolutely must be kept cold. Yeah, I'm going to go out on a limb and say that my previous experiences in the sake education corner have prepared me to answer this question. And I'm going to say that when you have your unpasteurized sake, your nama sake, that stuff goes in the fridge and stays in the fridge. Ding, ding, ding. Correct. You have graduated from the sake education. Aha. Yeah. So, <laughs> see, I do listen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, unpasteurized sake, as a rule, should be kept under refrigeration. Uh, sake that has been pasteurized, however, that's a heat treatment that the sake goes through. Most sake is pasteurized twice. Mm-hmm. And if you've gone through that pasteurization process twice, that sake is shelf-stable outside of refrigeration. So that could be kept in a non-refrigerated environment and Mm -hmm. be perfectly fine. So you Mm -hmm. have a little more flexibility if you're short on fridge space. You and I both live in New York City with smaller apartments and fridge space is at a premium. Yeah, it really is. My sake bottles are fighting with my broccoli and, you know, I got to make decisions. So... (laughs) All right. Self-stability is a great thing. So take advantage of it whenever you can. But, you know, like Tim said, keep it out of the sun, though. Yes. Keep it out of the sun. Keep it out of direct sunlight. And pasteurized versus unpasteurized. That's a real important distinction to make. So that word NAMA, N-A-M-A. NAMA, again, literally, if you translate it, it means raw. And for sake, it means unpasteurized. When you purchase NAMA sake... You really want to be sure that that is kept refrigerated. Mm. That covers the, the 
the twice pasteurized sake and your and your fully nama sake. But what yeah. about those those nama oh, yeah. shozo and those nama zume, those once pasteurized sakes? What's the rule yes. of thumb on those? Yeah, well, my rule of thumb is to treat them as a fully unpasteurized sake. Mm. If it says don't nama, take the chance. don't take why take the chance? Yeah, life is risky enough. <laughs> if it says nama zume or nama chozo, in my book. I treat those simply as a namasake, and I'm going to say this has to be refrigerated. Okay, I think that's I think that's fair. Yeah. It's a good, you know, when when you're, I think that's a great idea. Erring on the side of caution. There's not going to be anything wrong with keeping it refrigerated, but something could go wrong if you if you don't. Absolutely. Nice. Yeah. So, well, I'm sure you've probably gotten this question from your friends who are getting into sake as well. Right. How long can you keep sake unopened at home? Unopened? Yeah. So if you have sake in your fridge or your wine fridge or your wine cellar, what do you think is the best way to go about it when it comes to storing sake, let's say, longer term? Does sake get better with age? The rule of thumb is you want to have the sake as soon as you can after it has been bottled. So... Age is, generally speaking, not a friend of sake. There are, of course, always exceptions to this rule. But for the vast majority of sake out there, you want to have it as soon as you can. That's how I live my sake life. Mm. (laughs) I started listening to a husband and wife podcast, and Uh they're both Harvard-educated lawyers. And they have a wonderful saying that I am now adopting When they get a question about the law or something like that, 99% of the time they have the same answer. And the answer is, it depends. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So when I get this question, how long can you keep sake unopened in the fridge or in your wine cellar? Uh My answer is now, following the advice of the Harvard lawyers, it depends. (laughs) All right. Um, All right. So it depends implies that they're are some factors that we need to consider and discuss. Yes. So, Tim, what are these factors? (laughs) I would say the more hearty, robust, higher in alcohol, and sturdy a sake is, the more that is kind of built for longer-term aging. Mm. So that the sakes that I think do well with longer-term aging are going to be sakes that are higher in alcohol, mm. rich and robust. Mm. So the lighter, more gentle, more delicate, fruity ones that I have in my fridge most of the time, mm. yeah. <laughs> those you don't want to store very long. My opinion is that the lighter, very fragrant, floral, super elegant... Speaking my language. Yeah. Those John <laughs> Puma-style sakes. Yeah. In my opinion, I don't think they do as well for long-term cold storage aging. Yeah, I, I think, think they tend that, to be a little delicate. Yeah, you can, the, the aroma compounds can get more subdued over time. The sake can get richer and less light and airy. And it changes, not necessarily in a bad way for everyone, but it's about what did the brewer intend with this sake? You can experiment with aging it, but you may end up with something that's different from the brewer's intent for your experience. I think that brewer's intent is very often the key word there. 
Brewers tend to release the sake when they're ready for you to drink it. If they're going to mm. age it, they usually age it in-house at the brewery and release it as an aged sake. If they want it fresh and young, they'll release it when it's fresh and young. And of course, we're all free to experiment with aging at home. But as a rule of thumb, I go towards those more hearty, robust, rich, higher alcohol sakes. They've got the structure and the underpinnings mm. <laughs> to, you know, survive that longer term aging. And uh, it's fun to experiment. I have a few in the back of my sake fridge right now that are aging away. Excellent. Excellent. Yeah. Nice. Now, have you, have you seen the date on the label? People ask me questions about this too. <laughs> yes. Honestly, when I don't see a date on a label, I get a little nervous yep. because I don't know how long it's been sitting there and you know, how, it could be three, four years old. And if it's something very delicate, I might be a little disappointed in it. Yeah. Now what, what is the date on the label? That should be the, as far as I'm aware, that's the bottling date, right? Yes. All right. Excellent. That is the bottling date. So that's when the sake is considered, I would say, like released from the brewery. Right. And that starts the clock ticking for most people. A lot of people say one year from that bottling mm -hmm. date. What do you think about that? I think that's fair. I mean, uh, especially we are in the West. The sake yes. that we get has traveled. It has been at sea most of the time. Yes. And it has then crossed the country in a lot of cases. It's gone from, from the West Coast to the East Coast. Yes. So by the time it gets here, it's been around for a while. That trip takes time, especially with supply chain things being what they are right now. Uh, they've gotten better, everybody, but they're still not 100%. Um, so I think a year is good. Uh, I think that if you see something that's under a year, that's like, wow, fantastic. You know, I get excited when I see something that's less than a year old. So we've got our sake. We've got it at home. I have now opened it up. And oh. somehow I have not finished this bottle. <laughs> yeah. I imagine that my the good sense is going to be to put that back in the fridge now that's been opened. Yeah. But how long? What's mm. the rule of thumb on time for that? My answer in three, two, one. It, it depends. depends. <laughs> <laughs> so again, it depends on the style of sake we're talking about. If you have those rich, bold, hearty sakes are going to have the structure to last a lot longer. We've talked on the show before about indestructible sakes, right? Yes. They're hearty. They're bold. And there's really not a lot you can do to them to bring them down. So where we get into trouble is when we're trying to preserve these light, delicate, airy, fruity aromas. Those esters that come off the surface of the sake and give us those delicate tropical notes and floral notes, those are a little harder to maintain and preserve. So my advice is if you have the more fruity, floral, lighter, Junmai Daiginjo style sake, that you want to consume more quickly, and the aroma is going to change more quickly. Mm. If you have those hearty, earthy, robust sakes, those are 
going to last for a while and you can keep those around. You can don't need to keep them in the fridge necessarily. You can treat them with a little less care mm. and they'll still be there for you and still taste good. All right. Fantastic. So it depends on the sake style. <laughs> All right, Tim, thank you very much for that little uh, jaunt over to the Sock <laughs> Education Corner. I'm sorry that it was a little, um, a little unkept, but, you know, what can you do? Having said that, let's taste some sake. John, we're about to taste some sake that we have in our homes. I'm yes. curious for you, what's your sake storage situation at home? Do you keep it on the counter? Do you keep it in the fridge? What's, what, what's up with your place? I have a sake fridge. Uh, uh, it's Ooh. a wine fridge, uh, a wine chiller. We bought it on Amazon years ago. It has been doing great work for us. I have a sake fridge as well, but mine is a repurposed beer fridge. Ah, okay. So I didn't buy a wine fridge. I bought a beer fridge. It's like a half-size college dorm you sure, know, fridge. Sure, sure. And I have a little thermometer in mine and mine gets down to about 48 degrees oh wow so it's not quite as i can't get it quite as cold as yours Uh, mine can go to 38 Ooh, see that's but that's really good i think that 38 is a little too much chill most of the time on some of the more delicate stuff it can lose a little bit so i try to just keep it at 40 could maybe in all Make it sounding like I know what I'm doing. <laughs> one other, one other quick note about storage of sake in in a dedicated fridge. You know, if you buy a wine fridge for storing sake in particular, one thing you want to avoid is the trays that lie down. Do you have that the the horizontal storage? So mine shipped with those, and mm-hmm. for a while I used them like that, but um, I realized that I can actually put more sake in my fridge without those. So I removed all but one. And so Mm -hmm. now it's just a bi-level upstairs, downstairs situation in my fridge and everything stands upright. Yeah. So standing upright is the best thing to do for sake. Avoid wine fridges if you want to use them for sake that force you to lay the bottles down horizontally. Mm -hmm. That's ideal for wine that has a cork, Mm -hmm. but sake uses screw caps and other types of seals that... We don't need to keep moist with the with the liquid touching them. Oh. And the way to minimize exposure to the little bit of oxygen that is in there is to keep the bottles standing upright on their end. Okay. So that is a key thing when it comes to longer term storage at home. Good to know. That is a that's a pro tip, Tim. Thank you. That's <laughs> storage two point <laughs> excellent, excellent, excellent. All right. So we both went to our sake fridges and we grabbed a bottle. We're tasting different sakes today. So JP, tell me what sake did you pick to taste for our storage episode? So today I'm going to be drinking some local New York sake. That's the Brooklyn Kura BYX Yamaha Junmai. Now BY is like the brewing year. So Brewing year X or whatever. This is actually their second year of the BYX. So uh, I'm going to explain why that matters in a moment. But first, let me go through the rest of the uh, numbers here. So this is a, a Junmai uh, Zenama Chozo. So it's once pasteurized. The rice is Yamanashiki milled to 50%. That's for their Koji. And then the uh, 
Calrose is the rest of it, mill down to 60%, and that's the starch component, the Kakamai. They do this at Brooklyn Core for a lot of their sakes. The ABV is 17.4, so this is a pretty hearty one. And it is a Yamaha, as you mentioned, as I mentioned earlier, so uh, probably a stronger flavor. The acidity is 1.9, which is a, a touch high. And the sake meter value, that measure of um, dryness to sweetness, is plus five. So okay. touch on the dry side of things. Now, regarding this Yamaha, what they wanted to do is they wanted to try and have a little bit of the essence of their brewery into the batch. And I think we talked about this a little bit when we were talking about Tamagawa many episodes ago. And, you know, one of the things about their ambient yeast is just like the walls and everything like that just has it. And so what they're doing at Brooklyn Kura is they have a a Norwegian yeast wreath, which is something that's usually used mm-hmm. for beer, I believe. Mm-hmm. And they have that just hanging in the brewery over the tanks and they collect yeast on that and they drop that in when they're making this sake. And so it's a fun, interesting take on the idea of that ambient yeast and they're borrowing from another culture's beer making to do it. I think it's really a fun I found an interesting way to tackle that. Yes, and there's no brewers in Japan using a Norwegian yeast microbe ring. We haven't met it. Yeah, so right. that is that is some cross cultural integration there. Yes, totally. Yeah. yeah, interesting. Yeah, and what about you, Tim? What do you have? Well, I'm much more traditional here. Yes, but our sakes do have some similarities, which is kind of interesting. So I have a beautiful sake from Shizuoka Prefecture in Japan. Mm-hmm. It's called Wakatake. Mm-hmm. And I have their Tokubetsu Junmai Genshu. So you have a higher alcohol sake and I do as well. Mm-hmm. I am also right around 17.5%. And again, I have a Tokubetsu Junmai Genshu. No water added at the time mm-hmm. of bottling. So this is kind of a full-strength sake. The rice for mine is Gohyaku Mangoku, polished down to 60%. It uses Shizuoka yeast number two, mm-hmm. SMV plus nine, and acidity 1.6. Mm. So we featured the Wakatake brand on the show before. I think we tasted the Junmai Daiginjo, which is a very well-known sake here in New York in the oh, yes. green square bottle. But this is their Junmai version. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, so that's the uh, that's the sake that I picked up. The brewery name is Omuraya Shuzojo. Mm. So that's the makers of the Wakatake brand. Wonderful, wonderful. So without any further ado, Let's get these. Get our ASMR on. Yeah. All right, Tim. Tell yeah. me about the Wakatake Junmai. Yeah. Well, first of all, if you had this sake at home, before I smell or taste it, I wanted to talk really briefly about how I would store this sake. So this is mm. a twice-pasteurized sake. It's 17.5% alcohol. So this is a sake that I would store in the fridge 
if I had the room and the space. But if I didn't, this could sit out in a cool, dark place elsewhere, and I think it would be absolutely fine. Hmm. Um, Excellent. So this is one of those sakes where I think you have a little bit of flexibility about the storage, but whenever possible, as an insurance policy, I just throw all of my sakes in the fridge. It's, uh, it's but, good to have a, a blanket policy, I think. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And to keep my marriage happy, I did have to get a second fridge <laughs> <laughs> to keep my growing sake collection away from the broccoli. <laughs> I think that makes sense. I think yes. that is a, is a smart way to do it. All right. Well, let's give this a smell. This is, again, the Wakatake Tokubetsu Junmai. Mm, so it's got some soft, gentle rice notes and a little bit of a lactic character mm-hmm. kind of coming across as a classic Junmai. And uh, yeah, really lovely, soft, gentle. They're known for their very gentle profile and they have some of the softest water in Japan. Mm. Uh, Shizuoka gets very, very soft water. Okay, let's give it a taste. Mm. So this really has a rice-driven body to it. So that gohyaku mangoku flavor, which is generally lighter and airy, really takes the center stage here. So if you like sakes that have a smooth body to them, really gentle, but have that rice flavor permeating the palate, Mm -hmm. spreading across the palate, this is really right up your alley if you like that super gentle, approachable sake rice flavor. Classic Junmai. Really, really good. And this is a sake that I want to pair with izakaya food. Ooh, excellent. So this would be a lovely, easy drinking izakaya companion, I think. Fantastic. Wonderful. Yeah. So how about you? I'm super interested about this Yamaha Norwegian yeast mm-hmm. right <laughs> <laughs> the cultural mashup yeah so the nose it has that aroma that rem- makes me immediately think of acidity like when I, or like um you know that, that those high acid yamahais like this like it, you get that that on the nose and you're immediately like oh i i know this does it smell like funky like earthy or is it not more really earthy? Cleaner, no. Ricey. Okay. Like I said, a little bit ricey, but it's got that. It's got that little like that sour mm. nose. You know, it's like a little tiny bit of sourness on the nose. Oh my goodness! But the flavor is an adventure. There is <laughs> depth and complexity here. This is definitely, uh, definitely for your friends who uh, who like to maybe age things a little bit or mm. like to kind of keep things on the shelf. In fact, I bet this would be uh, really nice a few degrees warmer. I also don't think there's a lot of, there's not a lot of Yamaha that gets made here. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, having this here and having them kind of do it in this is interesting in different way. Uh, it's, it's a fun sake to drink. It's very interesting. As far as food goes, this is a Yamaha through and through. So you can probably have a lot of fun with it. You can, um, probably throw almost anything at this and it's going to going to cooperate quite Mm. nicely the american dishes i think out there you can probably you can probably have this with a with a have this with a burger i think i would love Mm -hmm. to have a burger with this Mm. 
How is it on like the sweet to dry scale for you? So with the plus five and that 1.9 acidity, it, it does present a bit dry. Okay. Um, it doesn't have that crisp finish because <laughs> mm-hmm. there's it's definitely, it's, so it's not, not necessarily in my comfort zone, we'll say, but it is a very, mm. very tasty sake. Well, Tim, thank you so much for that, uh, yeah. that little jaunt. All right, John, it's been great to taste with you. I feel like we have covered every square inch of sake storage. <laughs> Perhaps too many square inches. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it's all for a good cause. It's for people to enjoy their sake more. And what is more important than that? Uh, very little. <laughs> all right. <laughs> well, fabulous to taste with you. I want to thank all of our listeners for tuning in. Thank you so much for joining us again this week. And a special shout out, hey, and hello to all of our patrons. We love our community over on Patreon. If you'd like to learn more about what's happening over on Patreon and supporting Sake Revolution with a monthly contribution, visit patreon.com slash sake revolution to learn more. And if you have sake-related questions, I think they should be sake-related, right? Yeah, okay. Uh, so sake-related <laughs> questions that you need answered, you can reach us at feedback at sakerevolution.com. You can also uh, reach out to us on most forms of social media, and we will get back to you. Sometimes it takes a few days, but we will get back to you. But yes, uh, until next time, thank you all for coming. Please raise a glass. Remember to keep drinking sake and... Come on.